0: Previously, on Alpha. The cross is the symbol of the Christian faith. It's kind of like the logo of Christianity. About a third of the Gospels are
1: about the death of Jesus. And much of the rest of the New Testament is spent explaining why he died. It's God's amazing love for you. And that understanding completely changed my life.
2: Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can.
0: Faith isn't a blind leap. It's a reasonable step based on good evidence. In some ways faith is more like a journey.
1: Faith. Something to hold on to, something to uh, go to in times of doubt. Uh,
0: faith to me is um, believing in something a hundred percent.
1: Something that you're passionate about, something that you you stick to. I believe in God and I yeah, I believe if you pray that stuff happens, I do.
0: If I live a good enough life that whatever God there is, he's going to understand that I was an alright like deep down. I have no faith now. Oh. It's my beliefs isn't really a belief. It does really matter if you believe in a set of values, for example, I think that that's great.
2: Faith means believing in someone, I guess. I don't know what there is, but I think there's
0: something. I, I do know a lot of people that uh, have a lot of faith.
2: I like the idea of evolution.
0: I think it's good to believe in something. I don't think it's something that people need necessarily, but each to their own. Well, g'day catalysts, Welcome again to week three of Alpha. We're having a great time, uh, you know, in the groups and just doing this journey together. I think there's about 40 plus and I'm in a group myself, just loving participating in that, loving the really uh, tough questions. And I just encourage you, if you're in a group, keep it up and feel free to keep asking those questions and exploring. So well done. Today we're looking about looking at the topic of what is faith massive topic but some great answers to that I want to start in a different place quick survey with a bit of a show of hands put your hand up here if you're a morning person you'd identify as a morning person yeah right a lot of the enemy camp here this morning put your hands down put your hand up if you're a night person that's me all the good ones i feel like we win this service that would make sense right because this is the second service right <laughs> Woohoo! All my friends are in the second service. I've never really understood morning people. And all the night people, you get this, right? Like, morning people are just frustratingly strange people, right? They just get up and they bounce around in the morning. They can't wait for the sun to come up. It just, it's never really made sense to me and always been a frustration. I'll tell you something, there's, all, there's only one thing more annoying than a morning person. And that is a happy morning person, right? All the night people understand that, you happy morning people. Do you feel a bit beat up, all you morning people? I, I don't know. Oh, all right, you're just happy, fair enough. Now, here's my problem. I married a morning person. So, honestly, that means that at the beginning of the day, um, well, sorry, at the beginning of our marriage, in the early times especially, there were like seasons where we would just about meet for lunch and that was about it, you know? <laughs> like I would get up late, she would she had already been up for hours, she would go to bed and, I, and I'd stay up. I mean, that's how extreme that we were. We lived a lot of our married life like that. But my point to all of this is relationships actually change us. Um, and here's a little bit of a story that gives you a little bit of a glimpse into this. Um, I decided I was going to propose to Jessica and I got this crazy idea in my head that we'd fly down to Sydney, catch a very early flight, I'd propose at the Opera House, be very romantic and uh, fly back that night. But to do that meant I had to get up extremely early, like I mean crazy early, like 7.30am in the morning early, right? Like, that's, that's, that's crazy for a night person. No, I, I had to go to bed real early that night. Now, my question was, was it hard to get up for me that day? And what do you think? No, no and I, it wasn't hard to get up because I was full of anticipation and love and, and this is a big moment. And man, that night I hardly slept and couldn't. I was so glad that the alarm went off. It wasn't 7.30, by the way. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning, but I was thrilled to get up. <laughs> Here's the funny part that sort of the end of the story is um, I proposed, I did the job that I had to do uh, she said yes, that was her part of the job by the way and um, I, I thought oh we've got to fill out the day so I, we went to the Phantom of the Opera and uh, she, she thought that was great I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> just like I'm just going to sleep now it's, my, my job is done. Now as the truth goes as the years have gone on I honestly think I've gradually become more of a morning person and I actually think she's become more of a night person. And again, our relationships change us. Now, the scripture backs this up. Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth and he says, those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore for the old life is gone. A new life has become. This is those who become Christians. You know, there's a whole lot of perceptions about this word Christian I don't know what you think when you hear that some people think negative perception straight away frustrated at Christians some people think Christians they equate that with nice people ah Christians it means you're a moral or a nice person but the problem with that one is um I've got friends I'm sure like all of us here that are that are atheists don't believe in God that are nice people that are really nice people they don't want to be known as Christians um other people say, "Well, surely we're Christians because we're born into a Christian country." You've probably heard that before. I'm a Christian because I was born, you know, into Australia, and my parents were Anglicans. So it makes me a Christian. Now this is a bit cheesy, but I couldn't think of a better way of saying it. Being born in a Christian country doesn't make you a Christian any more than being born in Hungry Jack's makes you a Whopper, <laughs> right? unless you were born at Brassel Hungry Jacks, in which case you don't exist because they're never open. Like, does anybody want to explain what is going on with that store over there? I'll tell you, somebody, somebody tell me at some point. So, what is a Christian? A Christian is a Christian. It's somebody that follows Jesus Christ. It's put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And of course, how that happens there is enormously. Some people can just say, oh, I became a Christian at this exact time and date and brilliant. And other people say, you know what? I, I don't know when at some point in my life, I just know that I became a Christian. And for me, it's a little bit of both. I was a little child when I made a faith decision, but I made an adult decision. I couldn't even pinpoint that date, but uh, later on in life. And C.S. Lewis comments on this. He says it's okay, and he uses this analogy. He says, if you're on a train from Paris to Berlin, some people know the exact moment they cross the border. Other people might have been asleep. They don't know that. But what matters is that you know that you're in Berlin. It doesn't matter. You can't put your finger on the exact moment. The important thing is that, is that you are there. And what matters if this is you is that you know that you're a Christian now and you know what the the Bible the New Testament second half of the Bible it tells us that we can know that we're a Christian in John's gospel 112 it says to all who received him and receiving him means receiving Jesus Christ to those who believed and that means putting our trust our faith in Jesus in his name he gave the right to become children of God now that is an amazing little statement that he equates our relationship with God with an intimacy that we see a parent and a child. That's incredible. But we can have that sort of relationship with God. In other places in the scripture it talks about a relationship like a lover. Uh, in other places it talks about a friend and sometimes in the New Testament it talks about like a husband and a wife, a really close Intimate relationship. Now, if you're married, you know that you're married. And if you're a Christian, you can know that you're a Christian. Alpha always do questionnaires at the end of the course, and they've now got a whole lot of different responses. And they ask this question at the beginning of Alpha Do you think you're a Christian? And this is some of the responses that I've got over time. One person wrote, Yes, but without any real experience of a relationship with God. Another person wrote, "Sort of." Another one, you know, inadverted commas. I'm a Christian. Another wrote, "Not sure." Another wrote, "I'm Christian-ish." Another, "Yes, though looking back, possibly no." Now, the trouble with this is, you do know if you're in a relationship. Is what we're really saying here? You actually, you know, if you're in a relationship, supposing. You said to my wife, Jessica, Jessica, are you married? And she said those same responses, yes, but without any real experience of a relationship, or sort of, or I'm married, in inverted commas, or not sure, or I'm married-ish, or yes, though, looking back, possibly no. <laughs> Can you imagine if Jess says that? What does that say about our relationship? In the same way, God wants you to know that you are in a relationship with him. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You know that? You can know that you're a Christian. You can know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have faith. This does not have to be mysterious. Sometimes we make it out like it's so hard, it's impossible, it's so ethereal. No, there's ways that we can know. And today I want to talk about the ways that we can know that we have faith and how we build that faith. And I'll equate it to sort of like the three legs of a tripod that we can rest on. The first one is this. It's actually this book, the Bible, the Word of God. When we look at the Bible, And we look at our faith, we know that our faith is based on facts and not feelings. Because here's the truth probably, like a lot of relationships, certainly our relationship with God, we can have up and down feelings, seasons of feeling, close and distant. And sometimes we say, oh, my relationship's based on how I feel. No, the relationship is based, firstly, on what this book says about your relationship. An example of that is so, using my analogy, of marriage. If you ask me, how do I know I'm married? I can say, well, our relationship goes for good and bad and up and, time, up and down times. But beyond that, I can point to this. This is actually our real marriage certificate. It says that Carl and Jessica are married together. It's the evidence of our marriage. And if you ask me if I'm a Christian, I can point to this document, the word of God, that reminds me of the truth of my faith decision. Now, that's an interesting one. Sometimes people say about faith, oh, it's really good for you. You've got faith and I don't. And when they say that, there's sort of an insinuation that some people are just born with this vibe, this ability to have faith, and some people aren't born with that ability. But that wouldn't be my story i don't think it would be the story of nearly anybody here i think faith is something that grows i think faith is something that comes alive in us and we we gradually take more and more of it on in our life it's not like you can do nothing about it if you're here today so have no faith well you can do something about that romans 10:17 gives us a great idea of where we get faith it says this faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So maybe that's something you've already experienced. Maybe you've only been here a few weeks and already you'd look back and say, I'm not over any line. I wouldn't call myself a Christian, but I would say I've moved a little way that I have more understanding. I've got more faith. I've got more trust. And what I would say to you is some of that is coming because you're hearing the word of God. Something's igniting in your life and you're beginning to have some faith. Of course you can just simply read the Bible yourself and plenty of people do that and they find more faith grows. A great way is having somebody explain the scriptures to you and that's certainly part of my story when I was young. See this is a way we interact with God. We actually believe God speaks through the scriptures but you can take this uh, word of God and you can put it into practice you can let it grow in you uh, we're going to give you an example of that right now there's a verse right at the end of the Bible in Revelation 3:20, uh, which says this is Jesus talking he says here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me now Nicky Gumbel explains this passage I think in a great way and you might even find as you're listening to him that inkling that stirring of faith uh, grows a little bit so let's watch the screens together
1: one promise that Jesus gives is in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 Jesus says this here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and Opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Holman Hunt, the pre Raphaelite artist, illustrated this verse with a painting. It's called The Light of the World and it hangs right here in St. Paul's Cathedral. Jesus, the Light of the World, stands at a door which is overgrown with ivy and weeds. The door represents the door of someone's life. This person has never invited Jesus to come into his or her life. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. He's awaiting a response. He wants to come in and be part of that person's life and eat with them. Eating together is a sign of friendship. And Jesus offers that friendship to everyone who opens the door of their lives to him. Apparently someone said to Holman Hunt that he'd made a mistake. They said to him, look, you've forgotten to paint a handle on the door. No, he replied, that's deliberate. There is a handle, but it's on the inside. In other words, we have to open the door to let Jesus into our lives. Jesus is not going to force his way into your life. He gives you the freedom to choose whether to invite him into your life. But his promise is this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Not I might come in or I'll think about it. You can be sure that if you invite him, he will come in. And he will always be with you now and for eternity. That's his promise. It's his word.
0: If you're anything like me and you heard that sort of scripture, that, again, would make you ask a question. Is that possible? And faith starts to stir in your life. And that's what happens when we hear the word of God. It stirs the possibility and the growth of faith in us. So the second leg of the tripod is the work of Jesus. Uh, If you ask me how I know I'm married, I can point to the marriage certificate I could also point to an event that took place. It actually took place on this stage. And it says here, it happened on the 25th of January 1997. I could talk about an actual event. And uh, if you ask me how I know I'm a Christian, I could talk about, well, the, the word of God gives me a whole lot of instruction and wisdom. But I know about the death and resurrection of Jesus, an event that took place. Now sometimes people say, well I don't think I could be a Christian because I'm not good enough. I hear that all the time. I've got friends that have said, I can't even come into a church because I'm not good enough. Just give me some time to sort out my life. Let me fix some things up. I need to change some stuff and so on. And I hope if you've heard anything over the last few weeks, you've already heard this, that that is not the way we become a Christian. It's not about us sorting it out doing the right things cleaning up our act getting ourselves ready it's about what's already been done for us that's why that event that historical event those thousands of years ago matter so much it's at that event that we can or because of that event that we receive total forgiveness and you receive it as a gift Romans tells us for the wages of is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know what that idea of a free gift, what does that do in you? What, what do you begin to think about? I know for me, you know, we have that spectrum again. I'm always a bit more on the pessimistic end of the spectrum when somebody's talking about a free gift. This is, you know, you can get something for free, they ring you and they knock at the door, right? My wife, if we're doing marriage analogies, She's much more up the other end of the spectrum. She's like, bring it on. Like, what? Yep, you got a free gift. Where do I sign for that free gift? Here's an example. I came home a little while ago one time and my wife was on the phone and she was looking very excited on the phone. Yeah, what? Really? That's great. And I thought, oh, here's a warning, husbands. Watch out when your wife's doing that on the phone, right? And uh, I I went over and she's like, yeah, that's really excellent, brilliant. Uh, I said, so... I'm starting to get involved and, and she says, oh, Carl, it's this great accommodation and it's so cheap and it's like weeks of accommodation and everything's cool and it's a high-rise apartment. It was, it was starting to sound good. I was like, oh, that's great. I said, Jess, where is this accommodation? She said, oh, it's in Florida. <laughs> like Florida in the USA, right? I'm like, Jess, we don't holiday in Florida. That's going to cost us thousands of dollars to get there and no doubt it was going to be linked to an airline and you had to pay you know buckets of money and again you're probably like me or many are like me you can be suspicious of these free gifts that are out there these things that are free but while we can be suspicious it is true that this is a free gift but here's something that makes more sense about it it's free but it's not cheap it's free But it's not cheap. It costs Jesus his life. He died for you. He died for me. So that we could be forgiven and receive that eternal life, this gift of relationship with him. And how do we receive it? We receive it through repentance and faith. Repentance is one of those words that's got a lot of connotations about it. Some people think to repent just means I say I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Then we just move on with life. You know, that's not what repent means. Repent actually means to turn around and simply turn our back on a life that we were living and turn our life towards the way God would call us to live. Turn our back on the junk and the sin, the things that lead us down a track that's no good for us and turn towards God. And here's the thing about that life. It's a beautiful life. I don't believe God is mean and hard-nosed and wants us to give up anything that's good. God is always leading us to good things. He's leading us to a good life. I often say to people, listen, this is not the reason to become a Christian, but I'll tell you what, it's a better life. It's it's a better way to live. It'll bring you wholeness. It'll it'll ultimately lead you uh, towards relationship wholeness and, and uh, security with a, a living God. It's a good way to live. There's a good story of a guy called Emerson now Totney and uh, he talks about just how he came out of a life had faith and the change that it's made for him so let's have a look at the screens
2: I remember growing up in a house where I would jump on my kitchen table and I would see this white powder and I didn't understand what that was and I remember hearing gunshots and growing up in an environment that uh, became normal to me. When I was a little boy, being brought up in drug cartels and having a family that was connected to the Mafia, seeing drugs everywhere around me, then losing a fiancé, and ending up in federal prison, and for me that was my bottom, that was the end of my road, I didn't know how to get out of this and I could only turn to Jesus. And here I was in the situation. But I knew that God could redeem me. And so I began to make changes in prison. The moment that I accepted Jesus, it wasn't that I changed who I was. It was that I accepted who I was. And I became who He wanted me to be. And I found purpose, I found meaning, I found hope. God took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece and now seeing my life being redeemed the story of redemption that now I have a beautiful wife I have a son and I get to be part of a community of faith, hope and love
0: now, I think that's a great story and I'm you know I'd say I beg people to say listen it's there's a better way to live uh, and, it, and it's God's way Uh, it's a thrill, it's a privilege to follow after him. So ultimately, faith is trust. This is what it means. Everybody exercises faith in a simple sort of a way. You exercised faith this morning when you came in and you sat on a chair. I don't think anybody would have tested that beforehand. You just sat down. You had faith that that chair would hold you. I've got a friend who's an atheist, and really just recently we have an ongoing conversation all the time. And we were talking this time about creation and how the world came into existence and, um, you know, we're talking about the Big Bang. I believe, of course, that God used his creation. He, he was a creative God and used that to create the universe. He believes it's a total random act and things have fallen into place and life as we know it have come about. But I got thinking, I said, what do you think about how that even happened how did all the ingredients for the big man sort of come together I said would you say that at some point there you've just got to have faith that I don't know that something caused that to happen that there's a faith element for you in that he said I think you're right actually about that at that point it's just a faith I just sort of have a gut feel I just sort of believe that maybe it just happened somehow and I guess for him, he's exercising faith in a different manner. For me, as a Christian, I base my life on the faith of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I put my trust in him. That's what I've chosen. So that's the second leg of the tripod. It's, it's the work of Jesus. If you ask me how I know I'm married, I can point again to the marriage certificate. I can point to an event that took place 20 years ago and also I can talk about the experience of 20 years of marriage and if you ask me how I know I'm a Christian I can point to the word of God what it tells me about being a Christian I can point to what Jesus did on the cross and the difference that makes but I can also talk about 20 years of experience and our experience is the third part of the tripod that our faith can rest on. In that verse we looked at in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says that if anyone opens the door, I will come in. How does he come in? He comes in by the Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus who comes and lives within you. And Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he's like the wind. Now, can you see the wind? I don't think so. Has anybody ever seen the wind Well, no, but we've seen the evidence of the wind. We can see the leaves blowing around. We can see trees moving. And very easily, we can say, well, there's wind out there because of the evidence of the wind. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes people, again, with Christianity, get a bit lost. They think, I need to see. It's a bit like that. I see him a lot at the moment, that cheesy Jesus sort of, I think he's got a thumb up and a big cheesy smile. They expect that guy to sort of appear and, and beckon them or call to them or something like that. But that, again, is not really the experience. The experience is the Spirit of God and the evidence of Christ all around us. Maybe you're here today because you've seen the evidence of, of the Spirit of God in a friend. You sort of say, I, I sort of knew who they were and where they're at now and it's like something's different about their life. Possibly even, as you're doing a bit of a journey of faith, it's like you can feel something yourself, like just some sort of change, some uh, presence. Again, that can be the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. How do we change the apostle Paul says again it's the fruit of the spirit God's spirit comes and lives in us and he dwells in us it's not something we have to like force out fruit is a natural thing in Galatians five twenty two, says the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control these things come as we dwell with Jesus as Jesus dwells in us and I'm easily far from a perfect person but I look back on my life and I can see some of the examples the times when I just go wow that that could only be the spirit of God I remember often in my 20s I would get prompted just to do acts of generosity and again if you look at most 20 year olds it's pretty rare that you know they're always wanting to buy things there's stuff going on there's life happening that would be rare but I I was just often prompted in that season of my life I remember one time getting a large bank check anonymously, sneaking out, putting it in a letterbox, and then weeks later having this single mum, you know, a few kids and getting up in this church actually and just saying, man, uh, somebody blessed me. Our washing machine broke down. We were desperate and God made a way. And I think that's a great just little example of something that can only come through the Spirit of God, the evidence of God working in our life. The last thing is the Spirit brings head knowledge out of this heart knowledge that we have, this faith, this inkling, this maybe. Ultimately, it becomes a reality that we can talk about and say, I know up here as well as in my heart. It moves from a maybe to I know. An example of this is I shared a few weeks back in our church where we're trying to sell a caravan and we had a bit of frustration where a whole sale fell through. And at the time, we didn't know what that was all about. But as the story went on, it was very interesting. The person at the beginning sent a text and said, we want to buy the caravan. We'll be here on Saturday, but we just want to do a bank transfer in your presence to show you that all is legit. We thought, that's fine, but had an inkling. There's a lot of scams out there, right? So I actually searched the internet. Could this be a scam? Got nothing. I rang our bank and I said, listen, have you ever heard of this before? Like, could it be a scam on the spot? The bank said, never heard of that. But the bank said, look, my advice to you would be get cash in hand or do it a different way. And so I contacted the person via text again. They said, no problem. We'll still be there. I thought, great. The day came, they sent a text just beforehand saying, oh, sales off, we've decided not to buy the caravan. Now, that was just weird for us, frustrating, we didn't understand it. About a week ago, my wife was talking to a police officer that lives two doors up. She said to us this, she said, oh, by the way, you're selling your caravan, be real careful. There's a scam on at the moment, where people are coming and they're saying, I'll do a bank transfer in your presence. They have some sort of computer program that makes it look like it's happening and then they drive off with your van and you never get it back. And I just say that to say we went from inkling, maybe confirmed for us. It was a hunch to the reality and the truth of it. And I think that's how it works with God. God moves us from a faith step into something that we can say, I know, I know. And as you take a step of faith, and by the way, in a minute, I'm just going to give people an opportunity to take that step of faith. But as you take that step of faith, you begin to experience the Spirit of God in your life. It moves from just a faith step to something that is concrete. Another thing about the wind is that you can feel the impact of the wind. And I believe you can feel the impact of God's Spirit. Again, Romans says that the Spirit testifies in our life. I believe that God wants to pour his love out on each and every one of us. I remember when Kemi was just a little baby. All kids are different. Uh, Kemi wasn't a touchy-feely baby. She didn't want to be held. She wanted to be out and about. But this one day... She wanted to come up to me and like cuddle into me. And she did and she fell asleep. And Jess and I were, wow, what? This is really different for Cammie. And we found out that she was sick. And when she was sick, that's what she did. She just wanted to be near someone. And I wanted to give her love because she came to me. And in the same way, I think God wants to give us love. He wants to pour out his love. He wants you to know the love of the Father. And I think you can know that love and experience it so we'll take a moment now and if you'd like to even in this moment of quiet you can just acknowledge the prayer that we're going to pray I want to give you that opportunity I know we're only week three into this Alpha course but maybe there's one person here today that "I'm I'm ready just to acknowledge that faith that I have in Jesus Christ I don't have it all sorted I couldn't explain everything but I have a faith in Jesus Christ. It's enough. And it's a prayer that you can pray. It's simply a prayer saying sorry for the past, thanking Jesus for what he's done on the cross. Not what you have to do, he's done. And inviting him to come into your life by his spirit. And again, just echo this in the silence of your heart. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thanks so much that you love us. I now turn away from everything that I know is wrong, all that bad stuff. Thank you that you died so that I could be forgiven. And I put my trust in you and what you did on the cross. And now I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life by your spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, if you pray that prayer...